Good morning, my name is Jeff, and it's my privilege not to look with you at the Bible this morning. We're going to do something a little bit different this morning. We're not going to be uh, working through the Bible in quite the same way that we normally do. Today, we're going to start just a short four-week series on a topic, and the topic is the topic of expressive individualism. Let's, uh, let's ask God to help us. Heavenly Father, do please help us as we reflect on this topic of expressive individualism. Help us to know by the end of this more fully who we are in the Lord Jesus, how we should live, what we should uh, how we can live lives that are pleasing to you. Help us to engage well with our culture. Uh, give us wisdom to understand this stuff and uh, to uh, pray that it would help us to live godly lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last year, as part of my role in our denomination, I had to look after a, a different church, uh, the, the uh, Presbyterian Church in Epping. I had to uh, look after the church there. And as part of my job, I had to help them find a new minister. So we formed what's called a selection committee, a group of people representing all the different interests of the church uh, with a view to trying to find a new minister. We worked towards that. We identified a candidate. Some of you would know him. It was uh, Darwin Agahari. If you've been here, he was a student here about 12 years ago. So if you've been here that long, you remember Darwin. And we got him to come in for an interview. As part of the interview, the panel asked Darwin this question. What do you think is the most important theological issue in our modern culture. What do you think is the most important theological issue in our modern culture? How would you have answered the question? Let's give you 30 seconds to turn, turn to somebody around you. What, what, what would you say? What's the most important theological issue in our modern culture? I'm sure people have come up with all kinds of different answers to that question. What's the most important theological issue in modern culture? Uh, but Darwin's answer was this. Darwin's answer was expressive individualism. Now, I nodded intelligently. Hmm, oh yes, expressive individualism, of course. Uh, but I have to admit, I had never even heard of expressive individualism, let alone come to the view that it's the most important theological issue in our modern culture. So, giving nothing at all away, I asked, oh, Darwin, for the benefit of the panel, <laughs> can you please tell us what expressive individualism is? And tell us why you think it's so important. Well, since then, I've read a few books on this topic. And uh, now I've come to believe that Darwin is onto something. This idea of expressive individualism is actually very important for understanding what's going on in our culture and how Christians are being uh, thought of in our culture. So for these next four weeks, we're going to discuss some issues related to this topic expressive individualism. Our first talk, we'll cover what it is. Okay, you'd be pleased to know we're going to work out what it is and, and why it matters. Then next week, we're going to talk about what's the Christian alternative? That is, what is a Christian view of identity? It's actually, I'm quite excited about the talk next week as I've, uh, as I've thought it through. It's, it's really enriched my own understanding of who I am as a Christian. So what's a Christian view of identity? And then, so we've talked, well, we've talked about expressive individualism, what it is, a Christian view of identity. And then for the following two weeks, we'll compare and contrast them. How will it help us to engage with our culture? And what are some ways that we might have imbibed expressive individualism, taken it on in our own thinking without realising it, and how, how we can, um, what we do, what we do about that. So, as I, I should say, as I've already started to say, these talks are not going to be like the normal talks we have here in church. So normally, we just work our way through books of the Bible. That's God's words. So of course, that's the job. We, we, we read the Bible. We try to understand what it means. We try to apply it to ourselves through Jesus. These talks are going to be different. We, we 
We'll refer to some parts of the Bible, particularly next week. But in these talks, rather than starting with the Bible, we'll be starting with this topic, this topic, expressive individualism. Okay. Okay, all that preamble aside, let's dive in. What is expressive individualism? Why does it matter? There's a really helpful book written on this topic. I think probably the most helpful book. It's not easy, but it's the most helpful book. It's called uh, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self by Carl Truman. And uh, he describes expressive individualism in this way. The real identity of an individual is to be found in the inner psychological autobiography. And the authentic individual is one who behaves outwardly in accordance with this inner psychological nature. The real identity of an individual is to be found in the inner psychological autobiography. And the authentic, authentic individual is one who behaves outwardly in accordance with this inner psychological nature. You might be none the wiser having read that. Let's, let's, let's think more carefully about uh, each individual aspect of it. Lots of important concepts. Let's break it down. So first, notice what we're talking about. We're talking about the real identity of an individual. Expressive individualism, it's an attempt to answer this question, who am I? Who am I? What am I for? What is it that makes me, me? What is my truest, deepest identity? What is, who is Jeff Reed? So that, there's the first aspect of our definition. That's not for you. It's whoever, who, who is you? Okay, not who is me. Right. The real identity of an individual, who we truly are. Next thing to notice about the definition is this. In expressive individualism, who we truly are is found in our minds in our psychology, in who we think we are, in who we feel we are. So there in the definition, the real identity of an individual is to be found in the inner psychological autobiography. This is very, very important. And I think what will help you to understand it is if we, if we contrast what it doesn't mean. So in expressive individualism, the way you find out who you really are is you look inside yourself to your own inner self-conscious awareness. That means you don't look anywhere else. You don't look to God, for example. You don't ask the question, well, who does God say that I am? No, no, you've got to look inside yourself. And, and you don't look to other people. It, it, it's not your social identity that's real you, that's the real you. Now, of course, who you are is partly the relationships of, of your life and, and what you do. So, for example, uh, I am Carmelina's husband. In fact, that's how I'm usually defined wherever I go. Um, oh, you're Carmelina's husband, right? Um, according to expressive individualism, that's not the essence of who I am, contrary to what everybody else seems to think. Um, or increasingly these days, I'm, oh, you're Joel's dad. Or you're Bianca's or Joshua, D Daniel's dad. I'm also the pastor of this church. Most people say, oh, you go to Carmelina's church, do you? But... Uh, um, <laughs> Those things are true about me, that the relationships that I'm in define to some extent who I am. But as far as expressive individualism is concerned, none of those things are the essence of who I am. I'm an individual in those relationships, and those relationships don't define me. In fact, they can distract from finding who the real me is. I don't know if anybody's uh, been watching the series on TV called Alone. Has anybody watched the Alone series? Uh, just Aaron and me. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's very simple. The, the concept of the, of the series is very simple. They send these people off into the wilderness by themselves, and the one who survives the longest wins. 
okay? Um, they don't die, usually they get rescued. Uh, but the one who survives the longest. It's really interesting, though, because you hear a lot, they have to film themselves, you hear a lot of their story of why they're doing it and what they're trying to achieve, and so many of them say the same kind of thing. It'll be so good to be on my own, away from all the distractions of modern life, all the things I have to do, all the people I have to relate to. I'll have time to look inside myself and find out who I truly am. Amazing how often people say that kind of thing. Or, let me try some more culture on you. Um, some of you may have seen the Barbie movie. Is it, is it only me that's seen the Barbie movie? Uh, a few other people have seen the Barbie movie? Okay, work with me here. Uh, it's, a very, it's a very significant part of the movie where Ken has to work out who he is. Okay, if you can't work out who he is, then he'll impose poisonous patriarch on the world and everything will be terrible. Um, but the, the, the important thing is, He's got to realise that he's not Barbie and Ken. He's not defined by his relationships. Uh, nor is he Beach Ken. He's not defined by who, where he is and what he does and, and what his role is. No, no. He's not even encouraged to look to his maker. No, no. Ken needs to learn that. Ken is me. He needs to look inside himself to truly understand who he is. That's expressive individualism. All the external stuff of life, you know, the relationships and the things that you do and the busyness, that, that's a distraction from stopping, looking inside and finding the real you. Notice also, this is also very important, in expressive individualism, you don't look to your body to find out who you are. You have a body, but the real you is something inside your body. So you are a individual, a psychological autobiography, carrying around a body. Some might say trapped in a body. The, the real you is inside your mind in your inner psychological autobiography. And so, if who we feel we are on the inside doesn't conform to the bodies that we have, well, who we are on the inside is the real us, and our bodies are wrong somehow. So, let me give you an example. My body might tell me that I'm a small, middle-aged Jewish Australian male. But if inside me I feel that I'm actually Queen Beatrice of Holland, okay, if that's how I, identi if that's how I identify, then that is the deeper, truer reality. I'm Queen Beatrice of Holland stuck inside this small, middle-aged Jewish Australian male body. But I need to look inside me for my identity. You get the point? You find out who you are by looking inside yourself, to your psychological self, not to your body. Notice also this from our definition. Expressive individualism assumes that you find your true identity in your inner psychological autobiography. Do you know what an autobiography is? It's where you write down the story of your life. So my, my grandfather, for example, wrote the story of his life. He wrote an autobiography. Well, the idea is you create your own identity. You write your own story. As you live out your story, you make yourself who you want to be. You can be whatever you want to be. Expressive individualism assumes there's no external reality that you have to discover or conform to. For example, there's no God who gives us meaning. I give myself meaning. So... Some oppressive Christian out there might say, Jeff, 
God made you a small, middle-aged, middle-class Jewish Australian male. But if on the inside I know that I'm actually Queen Beatrice of Holland, that's reality. My reality isn't given to me, imposed on me by some God. I create my own reality. Someone else, some other oppressor might say to me, no, 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 you're trying to fight against reality thinking you're Queen Beatrice of Holland. It's just silly. It's just, it, everybody else knows you're not Queen Beatrice of Holland. Some might say meaning is found in other people's understanding of reality. You all might say, no, 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 you're a small, middle-aged, middle-class Jewish Australian man. But what you all think doesn't create reality. Just because you all think something's real doesn't mean it is. I create my own reality. Do you get the point? There's no objective external reality that I need to discover or, or conform to that, that defines who I truly am. We are whatever we feel we are on the inside. We create our own identity. It's our autobiography. Okay. What have we covered so far? One sentence. The real identity of an individual is to be found in the inner psychological autobiography. You see it everywhere, don't you? And the more you look, the more you'll see it. But that brings us to the second sentence. This is also very important. The authentic individual is one who behaves outwardly in accordance with this inner psychological nature. Again, let's break it down. This is about authenticity. This is about being true to yourself. The idea is you will live your best life, you will live your happiest life, you will live a dignified, valuable, heroic life if you can authentically express to the world who you know you are on the inside. Remember? How do you find out who you are as an individual? You look within. It's who you feel yourself to be. And now the idea is your best life will come if you can express that. Behave in accordance with who you truly are. Now again, the best way to understand this is to define what it's not, what it doesn't mean. Uh, so some oppressive Christian might say, no, no, the best way to live is to discover reality and live in line with it. So I need to discover the reality of who I am. I am a small, middle-aged, middle-class Jewish-Australian man. And the best way to live will be to live the life of a small, middle-aged, middle-class Jewish-Australian man. And if I think inside myself that I'm Queen Beatrice of Holland and I try to live in accordance with that reality, it's not going to be an authentic life. It's not going to be the recipe for a good life. It's going to create all kinds of problems. Other people won't accept the validity of my rule. <laughs> they won't let me into the castle. They'll laugh at me when I dress up as the queen. They'll wonder why I can't speak Dutch. Um, <laughs> according to this way of thinking, my failure to come to terms with external reality will mean that I live an inauthentic and unhappy life. It's a very famous... Uh, section of the, the Monty Python movie, The Life of Brian. Some, some people might have seen it, where there's this guy who believes that he's a woman and they say, let's, let's say that you, 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 can, you can express, you've got the right to express this and it's a symbol of our fight against oppression. And John Cleese says, oh, it's a symbol of your struggle against reality. That's that kind of oppressive thinking that you need to live in line with reality. 
the idea that that's the most healthy, authentic way to live. But it is the sort of view that we see in the Bible, isn't it? Uh, We saw it in our Bible reading today from Ecclesiastes. God has set up reality in a certain way, and wisdom is to live in line with that. When it's time to plant, plant. When it's time to reap, reap. If you don't do it, you're not going to be expressing authentically who you are. You're just going to be making a mess of your life. But that is not the view of expressive individualism. Expressive individualism says you'll never really have a truly fulfilling life unless you can express outwardly who you are on the inside, no matter what the cost to you or the cost to other people. And so being authentic might look something like this. Here are a couple of examples, the sort of thing that you might hear. I know I've been married for 20 years and I've got five children who rely on me, but deep inside I realise I've been living a lie. The true me is a free spirit, not not tied down by all these responsibilities. And so if I'm going to be authentic, I need to ditch my family and take off with my young secretary. I need to behave outwardly in line with my true inner self, otherwise I'll never have a full life, an authentic life. Or it might look something like this. I know I have a man's body, but deep inside I know I'm actually a woman. And so to be authentic, I need to live that out. I need to dress in women's clothes or take hormones or have some kind of surgery. I need to behave outwardly who I truly am, otherwise I will never have a full, authentic life. Do you get how it works? You see it everywhere, don't you? Um, My kids laugh at the TV shows that I watch, but I saw this exact thing on TV the other day. I was watching an episode of Veronica Mars, as you do, and uh, there was a man who did exactly this. So he's a dad, he's got a family, but he decided that he was a woman and so he ditched his wife and his son to go and live his life as a woman in a homosexual relationship. But the whole point of the show was, the point of the show was, it was from the perspective of the son who'd been abandoned and he was so angry with his father for abandoning him, but the whole point of the episode was that the son needed to realise that his dad was actually a hero. He was a hero for abandoning him and his family in order to bravely live out who he truly is. Okay. I suspect we all sort of go, oh, how silly, how stupid. Let me just give you an expression of of expressive individualism, though, that I think might be a little bit closer to home. In our modern culture, we also try to express our inner identity by means of consumerism. I suspect this is more where it can be seen in our lives. Just see if this rings any bells for you. Who I am on the inside, you might not be able to see it, but who I am on the inside is a successful man of the world. And I I express that to you by wearing my Rolex. Who I am on the inside is is a a man of um, great bravery and courage and and, and speed. and, and, And who I am, how I express that is by driving my Porsche. Who I am is an adventurer and I express that by wearing my MacPack Parker and putting on my hiking boots that never ever see (laughs) non-concrete. Driving my four-wheel drive that never gets outside the North Shore. But it expresses the adventurous me. Who I am is a stylish, sophisticated woman. And I express that to the world by carrying my Louis Vuitton handbag. This is actually 
one of the key ways that modern advertisers sell stuff to us nowadays, isn't it? We actually don't care about how the handbag works or whether the car's comfortable or, or whether the watch tells the time. No, no, no. It, what, people, what, what advertisers do now is they, they get their brand associated with a certain kind of identity and then they tell us, you'll be able to show the world that you have the, the, that, this identity by buying our brand. We can express to the world the identity that we like to think we have by buying their brand. This is running our economy, friends, at the moment. Expressive individualism. All right, you're getting the picture. Let's look at the definition again. The real identity of an individual is to be found in the inner psychological autobiography. That's clear? Look inside. And the authentic individual is one who behaves outwardly in accordance with this inner psychological nature. That's what it is. Let's think now about why it matters. Why is this such an important idea for us to understand? Why would Darwin say this is the most important theological issue in our modern culture? Well, let me answer in this way. Do you get the sense that people around us just don't seem to get Christianity anymore? totally foreign to their thinking. But, but more than that, do you get the sense that people are finding Christianity less acceptable? I mean, when, when I was in the workforce kind of 30 years ago and I told people that I was a Christian, they go, oh, that's lovely for you. I don't, I don't want to know about it, but it's lovely for you. I don't think that's our society anymore, is it? Now the sense is you're a Christian. Okay, that makes you an oppressor. It makes you a child abuser. It makes you not good for our society. Do you get that sense? That that's a growing, a growing feeling in our society? I reckon a big part of it is because our society has absorbed expressive individualism. Now, of course, the average person, including me a couple of months ago, has never even heard of expressive individualism. Very few people have thought through the philosophy. Very few people have thought through the historical background to it. This is not something that people consciously study. It's something, and this is even more dangerous, because it's something that we've just absorbed. And uh, in his book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Carl Truman shows this really helpfully. Through hundreds of years now of philosophy and literature and media and the arts, expressive individualism has just become the assumed truth, the assumed reality. It's what we just sense in ourselves. There's no question about that. That's just right and good. It's interesting, once you, once you know what expressive individualism is, once you know that it's a thing, suddenly you will see it everywhere. Uh, my kids hate it when I'm sitting down watching TV with them, because pretty much every show we, the, that we go, oh, there it is again. Expressive individualism. Shut up, Dad. Just let us watch the show. <laughs> right. um, it, it is everywhere, especially on the TV. It really is ubiquitous. But the thing is this, expressive individualism and Christianity are very different. Very different. They give very different answers to who we are. Very different answers to what we're for. Very different answers to how we should live. We're going to talk a lot more about this next week, but let me just give you a quick insight. Christianity says there's a God who made us. We don't make up who we are. We discover who God made us to be. Christianity says we don't just find our identity in ourselves, we find our identity in our relationships with God and with each other. 
We're created in God's image. As sinners, we fall short of God's image. But when we repent from sin, put our trust in Jesus, we're united to him in his life, death and resurrection. And so we have a whole new life. We're forgiven, we're made new, and we are loved children of God. There's a, there's a Christian identity in a, in a very short space. Loved children of God. And in response, we don't want to just express outwardly who we, who we feel we are. No, 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 we want to live to please God. We saw that in 2 Corinthians, didn't we? We make it our goal to please God, the Apostle Paul said. Expressive individualism, Christianity, vastly different answers to the question, who am I? Vastly different answers to the question, what am I for? And so it's no wonder that they give very different answers to how we should live. And again, once you identify this, and we'll look at it over the next couple of weeks, you'll see it everywhere. You'll see it in government. Okay? Christians might say government should impose righteousness and get people to live rightly. But no, 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 expressive individualists will say that the role of government is to enable people, to support people to discover and live out their true selves. A whole different view of what government should... It's a whole different view about what education should be. I was looking up a, a website of a school the other day, and this is how they advertise themselves. We believe that education should be about, and I quote, giving children the tools to form and express their identity. Do you hear that? This is what they're trying to do. Give children the tools to form and express their identity. I, I thought kids should be learning maths, you know, and... Uh, um, <laughs> discovering the objective facts and meaning of this world that God has made so they can live in, in, in reality. But no, apparently, it's now giving children the tools to form and express their identity. You'll see this in church and in religion. The idea now is church and religion are not about truth. There's no such thing as truth. What it really is is about power. White, middle-aged men imposing their power on, on other people and... So church really shouldn't be used to hinder or criticise or challenge people in their identity. No, no, that would force them to be inauthentic and repressed and unhealthy. What church should be about is, is affirming us in our inner identity, celebrating who we are and enabling us to live out who we feel we are on the inside. Again, once, you, once, you're, once you've heard of this, you'll see it everywhere. You'll see it everywhere. Christianity and expressive individualism they give very different answers to these questions. Who am I? What am I for? What's, how should I live? What's society for? What's education for? What's church for? And so it's no wonder then, when there's such different worldviews going on, that there are such clashes now between Christians and our culture. Now, we're seeing the pointy end of it at the moment is with issues of sexuality and gender, isn't it? When Christians say, God made us, we should follow sexual norms imposed on us by him, that's considered to be oppressive. And we're not thought to be just criticising behaviour anymore. Now people think we're attacking their identity. And not just attacking their identity, we are hindering them from being able to live authentic, healthy lives. And Christians and culture can't just coexist on this point anyway. You can't just say, oh, that's nice for you, because if you don't actively support and encourage people to express their true identity, then that's seen as being hateful and hurtful. There's no neutral ground anymore. You're either an oppressor, forcing people to 
submit to the norms that you've created by, by your power or you're supporting individuals to express their authentic selves. All right, I'm starting to see people's eyes roll into the back of your heads. I realise we've covered a lot of territory, but hopefully, come back to me, hopefully you've got the big idea. You've got the big idea. What is expressive individualism? It's the idea that you find out who you are by looking inside yourself, and then the way to live authentically is to express that to the world. Show the world who you really are. I hope you're starting to see why it's so important. This is big questions. Who are we? What are we for? How should we live? What is society, education, religion for? Big questions. The more I've thought about it, the more I think Darwin, Darwin A. Harry was right. It's a very important theological issue in our modern culture. All right, let me just quickly remind you where we're going. Next week, we're going to discuss what's the Christian answer? Who are we? What are we for? And uh, until I really started thinking and reading about this, I, it's actually a beautiful, rich, glorious picture that, that, that we'll see. And then we'll compare and contrast for a couple of weeks. Uh, for now, let's pray. And there's not really time for questions, but if there's a burning question or two, I'll take it anyway. <laughs> let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank and praise you because you've made us and because you've made reality. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to understand the reality of the gospel, that in Jesus we are your beloved children forgiven and looking forward to heaven. Pray that we might delight in that identity. We pray for our culture that seems just to be getting lost in this idea of making up who we are and not living in line with reality. Uh, we pray that we as Christians might be able to have a better view and, and, and show a better view of, of who we are and what we're for and how to live. Give us wisdom as we think through this series over the next couple of weeks and I pray that through it we'll be able to uh, clarify our own thinking and engage helpfully with our culture. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.